Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Our first scripture is from uh, Genesis 2, verses 4 through 8. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused the rain upon the earth, and there was no one to fill the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from the prophet Ezekiel. We don't read much from Ezekiel, but when we do, we read this one. It is the Valley of the Dry Bones. It is one that many of you have known since your childhood. And if you need to break out in song to see the toe bone connected to the ankle bone and the foot and the heel and all that, please do so. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 10. Listen with fresh ears to this word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophecy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
So there are three Presbyterian elders that decide to go on a hike in the mountains together. It is a beautiful day, and they are hiking up above where they can see down into the valley. And Bill, one of the three, stops the other two and says, look, look how beautiful it is up here. God is in heaven. All is right with the earth. We are blessed to have a day such as this. And Sarah, one of the other elders, looked down and said, look, you can see our beautiful 200-year-old church. You can see the bricks. You can see the beautiful tall steeple. And behind it, you can see the cemetery where those we have loved that came before us are now buried. What a gift it is to inherit that ministry and to be a part of that church. And right before them was an old rickety wooden bridge. It was about 100 feet up over a dried up creek bed with just rocks. And Sarah thought for a minute and she said, what do you think would happen if all three of us got on that bridge and it collapsed? And all three of us died. I bet they would put all three of us side by side in our coffins in the narthex for our service. Ralph says, well, thanks for that image. And Sarah asked a little bit further. She says, what do you think people would say at your service for you? What would they say? Bill, what, what do you think, what would you want people to say about you at your memorial service? And Bill said, well, gosh, I, I hope they would say I was, I was a faithful Christian. I was a good parent. I was good at my job. And Sarah said, yeah, I, I guess that would be the same for me. I, I want people to know that Christ is at the center of my life. I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good wife. I want to be somebody faithful that the community looks up to. And Sarah looks at Ralph and says, Ralph, why, what, what would you have to say? And Ralph takes a second and just says, Ralph, what would you say at your memorial service? We're all in the casket. What would you say? And Ralph says, I would hope they would say, look, he's moving. <laughs> so today is about the bones, about bringing life where there is no life. Before we get to the Ezekiel passage, uh, I want to talk about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit for just a minute. In our liturgical calendar, that is the calendar that is our church year, uh, and we know it best when we have four weeks that lead up to Christmas called Advent. In the spring, we have six weeks of Lent that lead up to Easter. And Pentecost is another high holy day for us. And we have one Sunday. One. Come on, Presbyterians. We love us some Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do. We're starting today. Pentecost is on the 20th, so we're doing three weeks of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we need to fear, not something we need to be afraid of, but the Spirit is so important and so amazing as the presence of Christ with us now that we need to explore it fully. So I will begin today. Next week, Confirmation Sunday, we'll talk about it some more. And then on May 20th, Pentecost Sunday, uh, I will be gone. My oldest daughter is being confirmed. 
in my uh, Christ Presbyterian, my old church in Tallahassee. Uh, so Connie Hapel, who will be fantastic, will be here to preach on Pentecost, one of my favorite days. So it will be a great journey. So we are doing three weeks of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. So we begin um, with, let's talk about symbols of the Holy Spirit. Anybody throw one out? Symbol of the Holy Spirit? Breath, right, right. Breath is one, absolutely. A dove, right. Um, when Jesus was baptized, if you remember in Mark 1, Matthew 2, Luke 2, John 1, that's 1, 2, 2, 1, in case you're getting your baptism all straight. The sky opens up and something like a dove came down as the Spirit descended. So we directly liken that to the Holy Spirit and the dove right on. One more. Fire and wind, right, right. Fire, um, we look at Moses when he was called at the burning bush. We look at Luke's account in Acts chapter 2 of the Holy Spirit descending, which I believe Connie's going to talk about on Pentecost, and those tongues of flame rested upon them, but not, not, uh, not harmful, but inspiring the presence of God in those flames. Uh, God appeared to the Israelites in the wilderness as they had been brought out of Israel um, in a pillar of, of, of fire. So fire is, in this case, for Pentecost and the Holy Spirit, positive symbol. Fire can hurt, fire can destroy, fire can be painful. That's not at all what the Holy Spirit symbol of fire is all about. My stole is red, that is to indicate of uh, the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. And so for the next two weeks, uh, we will all be read here in worship. So next week, I'll talk about more specific roles of the Holy Spirit. What does it do? Why is it there? But today, we are in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible for our Jewish friends. We are looking at a Genesis passage and this Ezekiel passage. What do we know about Ezekiel? Well, he's kind of a weird guy. One point, he eats a scroll. One point, he lays on his side for 400 and something days. He cuts his hair and does weird stuff with it. There are other things that decorum prohibits me from saying what Ezekiel does. Every youth going to Ezekiel right now. Yeah, weird stuff. However, God speaks to him and puts a vision in his head, in his heart, which is to say that no matter how weird, strange, and odd your faith leader seems to be, you still need to know that God is using him or her. So Ezekiel has a vision. And remember, Ezekiel is a prophet of the exile. If you remember, there are two temple periods. The first one, uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come in, 586 BC, BCE, and they wipe out Jerusalem, wipe it out. Temple is destroyed. In exiles, many of the Israelites to Babylon. Now, these are a lot of your educated members of society, monarchy, 
prominent members. They wanted first to be exiled with them. Ezekiel is with them and his wife in Babylon. And think, this is the first time since the Jewish people were God's people and they've had their temple that now there was only one. They weren't spread out all around. There were no other places to worship. There was one temple destroyed, exiled off of their land. Now what do they do? And so the idea of the synagogue, which just means a a meeting place, an assembly, is what the Jewish leaders, the rabbis in exile started to put together. This idea that they can meet in another location other than the temple and worship and tell the stories of faith and sing songs and seek to be faithful to their calling, although they're kind of reinventing everything and it was very challenging and confusing to them without the temple. They later would rebuild the temple The second temple period would then usher through all the way through the time of Christ until 70 AD. Remember Christ was 33, 34-ish AD in that zone. And then the Romans destroyed the temple for the second time. So Babylonians is the first one, 586 BC. And then the Romans right after the time of Christ. The two times the temple has been destroyed leaving the Wailing Wall, the Solomon Wall that we we now see uh, in Jerusalem presently where people go and insert their prayers into the walls. So Ezekiel is ministering to those in a confused time in a a confused place. How do we be the people of God when everything that we've known is different and changed? And so Ezekiel comes... God speaks through him. The book itself is basically broken into three sections. And this is not unique to Ezekiel. Many of our prophets are. The first section is um, prophecies and oracles against Jerusalem and Judah for disobeying. The second is prophecies and oracles against other nations because they have treated Israel poorly. And the third is hope and salvation. And that's where we are in 37. Uh, Again, Ezekiel has some other end of time, second coming kind of visions in it. And again, some other uh, odd and strange things. But here, God lifts Ezekiel and says, takes him to this place and shows him the valley in the valley old, dried, bleached bones from some war gone by, an army that perished there in the field, dead, dead, dead. No life, no muscle, nothing left over, bleached bones. And God says, mortal, speaking to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Look at them. They're pretty dead. Can they live, Ezekiel? Ezekiel hedges his bet. He doesn't say, well, of course, if you say so, Lord. He doesn't even say, absolutely not. Look at them. They're dead, bleached bones, nothing. He says, "Uh, you know, Lord. And so God says, okay, give them this word. 
that you will live. And so Ezekiel says that according to what? According to the word that God spoke. And so the first thing for us today on this introduction to our Holy Spirit series is that the Spirit comes to us through the Word, through studying Scripture. It's hard, I know it. I know it is, thank you. Sometimes we don't want to dedicate the time, we think we have to allocate two hours for every day to do it. Sometimes it's so hard on our own, but we cannot know God, we cannot know Christ, we cannot know the Holy Spirit, we cannot know ourselves, we cannot know our family, our church, and this world unless we are seeking to understand and read Scripture. It doesn't all have to happen Sunday morning at Sunday school or Wednesday night at Wednesday night programs. You have circles, you have men's gatherings, you have all kinds of opportunities and places, some individually and some with a group, and you need both of those. But we're spinning our wheels until we, we take on the joy and the struggle that is Scripture. We won't ever get it. We won't ever feel that connectedness Unless we sit down with some friends and say, I don't get this at all. Why is it this? Why is it that? Why does he eat the scroll? What is he doing with his hair? And you sit down and you work on it together. That is the gift of a community of faith. We have one another. You have gifts and I have gifts. And when we sit down and work on ministry together, that is a gift and that pleases God, I believe. So number one, Give him the word, Ezekiel, God says. So Ezekiel does. Can these bones live? Well, tell me what to say and I'll say it, okay? Give him the word, let them live. And so slowly, the pieces and the parts come together. Toe connected to the foot bone. Foot to the ankle, ankle to the leg, leg to the thigh, all the way up. And the bones rattle as they come together. Sinew, muscles, skin. And there they are. They're complete humans. Or are they? And God says to Ezekiel, one more thing. Prophecy again. And call the winds from the four corners of the earth. Call my breath, my spirit, my wind. And fill them up. As was mentioned before, the, the word for breath and spirit and wind are the same Hebrew word. That word is ruach. We would transliterate R-U-A-C-H. Got that cool Hebrew at the end of it. Ruach. Hebrew, just as a language, is more artistic. One word can mean several things. Greek can have that, but Greek is more analytical. Greek is a little more exact than Hebrew. And so here, the beauty of the Hebrew art in this word ruach is spirit, breath, and wind. What does that mean? Well, it's all God's. That's the good part. It is God's spirit, it is God's breath, and it is God's wind. All of that is what we celebrate in the Holy Spirit. 
And it is what God says to Ezekiel here. They're not done yet. You think they're completed. They look like they're completed, but they're not. I need to breathe life into them. We go back to the Genesis story that Charlotte read to you this morning. Adam, the second creation story, being created from the dust, a similar thing. God puts Adam together, molding him up from the dirt, got some good Georgia clay in there, makes himself an Adam. Except it says in that passage in Genesis 2 that he was not yet alive, meaning completed, but not yet alive. And what had to happen? God had to breathe his breath into Adam. He was just a completed shell until God breathed his breath into Adam. Almost like a lifeguard trying to rescue someone who is drowning and needs mouth-to-mouth CPR. God's breath, God's spirit, God's life-giving wind into Adam and raises him up. Gives him life, new life. Same thing in Ezekiel. They are all together, the sinews, the flesh, the muscle, the skin, the bones, all have come together, but they are incomplete until the Spirit blows over them. We'll talk some about creation a little more next week, but the first thing that God does, the first chapter of Genesis, is that God's wind blows over the chaos. Before God even says, let there be light, there is darkness There is void, and God blows God's spirit over the water. It is powerful. It is life-giving. And today, we are being called not to be people of dry bones. It's so easy. It's so easy for us to look at our lives and try to just muddle through. Sometimes when life is dealing us difficulty, sometimes all we can do is hang on and know that light and that season will end and somehow we will make it through. But I know that God's intent is not for us to get through life with our head hung down, hung low, watching our toes, just trying to get through this life. We get one. We get one shot at it in this life on this earth. And God fills us with the Holy Spirit. Should we allow that? To let ourselves be renewed. Gosh, who doesn't need renewal? Who doesn't want that cool, refreshing breath of the Holy Spirit? Well, we may not. Presbyterians, by golly. We're not all about the spirit and all that tongue flaming and all the hoo-ha and the hands and the up and down. And it's still as important to us, friends. The Holy Spirit is at the core of who we are, that Trinitarian formula, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And they're all God. They're all God with us, different aspects of God that operate in different ways, but it's all God. God showed himself to the people in the Old Testament through natural wonders, 
fire, clouds, pillars, through visions, through flaming bushes and other things. Then God sent Christ who could be seen and touched and heard to teach and to reconcile people, bring people home. And then roughly as Jesus ascended back into heaven, post-resurrection, the Holy Spirit descends. The spirit of what? Of Jesus and of God. So we are never left alone without God's presence. From that date forward, traditionally the Acts 2 Pentecost passage, the spirit descends and those disciples get it. For the first time, we know that they all get it. They're still wrestling at that point with the resurrection, with all Jesus said and did. But after the the spirit descends, there is no confusion. They fully understand. Peter steps right up in a few chapter, a few verses later and gives his first sermon and there is no waffling, there is no confusion. He stands up to proclaim that Christ has been raised. And then the Spirit sends them out to go spread the word. And today, we are inheriting that same ministry. And that is to allow ourselves to be welcomed, to welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives because of the joy and the challenge that it brings. But the renewal will come. That fresh breath, we're not meant to jumble through as empty shells like that army in the field or like Adam before God's breath. A pastor tells a story that I think is a good comparison. That those of you that have been to New York City have been to what was the former RCA building that's now 30 Rockefeller Plaza Center. And out there, there is a bronze statue of Atlas, all muscled up, holding the world much like me. He's holding the world. And it is weighing on him and he can barely, you can see it on his face, he can barely hold it. He's got it, but for how long, we don't know. And then the pastor says, and if you look across the street, in comparison to that is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And in their high altar behind is a statue of Jesus as a boy eight or nine years old, and he's got the world in his hand. We weren't meant to be Atlas. We are meant to trust Christ. We were meant to open ourselves to the renewing presence of the Holy Spirit, to let ourselves be filled and not fear that. That is God for us. That is God working through us. And we are called to be so much more than just mundane followers of Christ in the world. So today, as we begin our understanding of the Holy Spirit, know, number one, that we have to be rooted in the Word, and we can do that together, we can help you do that, but we'll never really get it unless we make an attempt there and we practice just like any other discipline except the benefits and the reward and the connectedness here are off the charts. Try, let's try this together and we will see that Christ is with us. 
And then secondly, we don't need to live as empty spirit people. Even though we go through difficult things, life is meant to be renewed, recreated, and celebrated. And that's what the Holy Spirit does here. It is life-giving. I want new life today. I hope you want new life today. So please join me in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord God, help us to trust you. Help Open ourselves, our hearts, our lives, so that we can finally trust you, that we can finally study and immerse ourselves in your word to hear what you would have us say. Renew us as you did Adam, as you did those old dry clickety bones bleached in that field with Ezekiel. You can do anything, Lord, nothing is impossible for you your spirit is your presence. Be in our hearts. Help us to open our hearts, our lives, our spirits and souls to your spirit with us. Let us breathe in your breath, your spirit and your wind. And let us go as your people. Hallelujah. Amen.